Hey, listeners, it's Kevin once again coming to let you know that this week it is again another, oh, let's call it a flashback week in between releases of brand new episodes of the book Triggered by Donald Trump Jr. This week we return again to the sadly no longer available episodes of the old podcast wherein we reviewed The Faith of Donald J. Trump by David Brody and Scott Lamb, a truly, truly horrific book that tried to posit Donald Trump as the perfect example of American Christianity. I apologize to our patrons for not getting this episode out early to you this week, but, well, I really have no excuse this week. I I played video games and forgot. But we will soon have a brand new patron-only bonus episode coming just for our patrons. And if you go over to patreon.com forward slash nygbc right now, you can see there is a post available asking patrons for the next book we will be reviewing because we are getting to the end of Triggered, and we need to find what you want to hear. You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more... getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. In the final segment this week, we get back to the book we've been we started off on next week, and we're going to be working through for the next uh, probably few months now, uh, which is the faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography. We are at chapter four, and this chapter is titled "Back to the Future Presbyterians." What the that fuck does that mean? Okay, it doesn't make any sense. No, like some of them are puns. Like some of these titles yeah. are puns, and I'm like, okay, I see what you've done there. I don't think it's good, but I see what you've done. I have literally no idea what they were going. I for don't here. either. I can't <laughs> figure that out. I kept way. asking myself that. Is it? Is that well, these? Like, these am two I people, missing something? These like writers, the, David La- David Brody and Scott Lamb, obviously, they think that the old school conservative Christianity was better. Are they trying to point out something about a resurgence of that? Is that what they're doing? I don't know. I, I can't figure out what this title means. But uh, I I, let me just really – let me talk about these next three chapters we're going to do because we both that noticed bad. the same thing when we were doing the reading and we texted each other about it. And the what we basically figured out is these next three chapters are just about – the Christian theology the, of the Presbyterianism. Of Christianity in yeah. America and Presbyterianism. And there is almost odd. no Trump in these next three chapters. Almost Which, none. you know, blessing and a curse. Yeah, very true. Uh, but so, like they did in the first three chapters, they will occasionally throw in a paragraph about Donald Trump. They will try and, they'll make spurious connections between Donald Trump and other figures who there's no reason for them whatsoever. Uh, but they'll do that, that, not as much of that biografting thing that Mark talked about in uh, last week's show, but they do a little bit of it, just a little bit. So, to start off this chapter, uh, 
uh, we get the talk of Fred and Marianne Trump. No, no, we we need alternative. Oh yeah, yes, alternative chapter titles. My alternative chapter title for this one is Your Honor. There's no proof my client has ever been in that church uh, because they provide none. <laughs> they provide none. My uh, mine is in shocker area. Rich people go to local rich people church. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So we start off uh, with talk of Fred Marianne. and Marianne Trump, Donald's parents. Who met in the walking mid- down the aisle? Yes, and surprise, they got married in a church. Who would have thought? Yeah, who a rich people thought? church. Because a rich, they people, were rich church. people Yes, and that yeah. this this chapter, chapter four, the main thrust of this chapter is Fred and Marianne got married in this church. Let's talk about <laughs> How this could church. This have happened? Let's talk yeah, about what? this church. Okay. How could they have gotten married in a church? Who gets married in a church? Who would have thought of it? Yeah, it's not a thing. Uh, so yeah, they talk about. Also, my my favorite bit about this is uh, they they belong to the oldest uh, Protestant church in North America and the the oldest continuously existent Presbyterian church. To put the age of these churches in perspective, the King James version of the Bible was still the newest in Bible translations. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> sure, that was in the 1600s though. Like Jesus lived in the 2000s, <laughs> uh, 2000 years ago. In the zeros, so yes. this is not that impressive to me. No, like, it's really not. It's really not. Um, like, oh, 300 years, you say? Who gives a shit? But they want to... Also, ha- like, just because you belong to an old church, mm-hmm. does that mean anything? Yes. Like, oh, the church has been around... What, like, the Catholic church has been around 1,500 years. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Like, or oh, 1,700 years. Yeah, they want to like, hammer why on... Why anyone... They want to hammer on this idea care? that the Trumps went to famous churches as though that matters. Yeah, because of course they did, because they're the fucking Trumps. And they say, like, they say, quote, in this chapter, which is to say, 99% of Americans did not worship at a church that had reason to be mentioned in a history textbook. By contrast, the Trump family have been involved in three such churches. Yeah, obviously, because they're rich and famous. Like, obviously, <laughs> you go to the church. Like, it's literally a thing that people used to go to church to be seen. Like, yeah. that was part of it. Like, you would go and, like, wave to the fucking masses as you went to church. Like, that's been done since fucking Medici in Florence used to go to church. <laughs> like, Catholics, Catholic rulers have done that shit for years. Like, obviously, the rich people go to the rich people church. Like, it's really not... It shouldn't be that difficult. Also, 300,000 houses of worship in the United States in the 1960s is way too many. You uh, don't need that many. Stop it. Uh, uh, one is too many. One is too many for me. Well, um, I mean, whatever. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean. But uh, the main discussion in this chapter is going to be about those churches. So we get one, the Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church, uh, which is one they're going to talk about a lot. And we also get... Which is like, ooh, Madison Avenue. That Doesn't that convey richness in <laughs> advertising? Like, ah, oh, yes, the Christian virtues. Yes, yes. And we also get the other one, uh, which is the First Presbyterian Church of Manhattan, uh, which they will bring up for no reason because there's no connection to the Trumps whatsoever. They never went there. No, I don't know why no, they brought it up. They're a Queens family, not a Manhattan family. Yeah, so. I honestly couldn't tell you why the fuck they brought that one up. But uh, moving on a little bit in this chapter, they start going, because of course we got one paragraph at the beginning about the Trumps, and now we're going to spend most of the rest of this chapter talking about completely unrelated people. So... It's so weird. They start talking about... There's like about, this bit about Coffin. Uh-huh. Well, like, why, why they start talking about, about all the rich Carnegie? people who went to that church, right? Andrew Carnegie, for example. Uh, his daughter was married at that church, so I guess that matters. 
And you, uh-huh. you're right. They brought up Henry Sloan Coffin, who was the pastor of right. Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church around the time that Andrew Carnegie was there. The 1910s, I believe. So Yeah, before Trump emigrated. Uh, like, yes, so? yes. Before, long before Donald Trump was born. And, oh, they get to it later in one of these chapters. They get a, such a close but no cigar moment where they almost realize it. They almost realize the fallacy of what they're doing with this entire book. They get yeah. so close. Um, so we move on, and they're talking about Coffin, the, the pastor of MAPC, which is the Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. They use that acronym, so it's easier just to use that that acronym. Um, mm-hmm. And they continually t- they talk about uh, what the church faced with the rise of Charles Darwin's message in well, the mid-1800s. Well, yeah, also late 1800s. It was like the 1870s. I would love for them to tell me what the fuck Charles Darwin's message was. Because we know who wrote this book. They don't fucking know what Charles Darwin said or even what evolution is. They couldn't explain it to a high school level. Maybe not. I guarantee it. So yeah, they're they're talking about like division within the church Mm -hmm. and like, are we still Calvinists? Who knows? Yeah. Something was afoot. (laughs) And then like a a good bit is the problem wasn't that the scripture lacked clarity on the subject, but that since a virgin birth is one of those pesky Christian teachings (laughs) with a miracle, parentheses, a supernatural event. (laughs) So we have to define what a miracle is. I think we've realized now what what kind of audience this, this book is aimed at. It is aimed at children. Mm-hmm. And gullible, stupid people. Yeah, like no, no. Be, but right <laughs> after that sentence you just read, they said it had become an embarrassment, meaning the virgin birth. And quote: the new theologies wanted everything to be explainable scientifically. And I just wrote in the margins: damn fucking right. Oh, yeah. churches and all of their science. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I literally well, at I this mean, point in my they, notes, they. Well, it's because they lost this fight, right? So yes, the, the, they're still they, bitter. They, they're still bitter yeah. over the Scopes no, 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 fucking no, but monkey the, the trial. Scientific, the scientific people lost this fight, like this fight, this specific fight mm-hmm. that they're talking about, mm-hmm. because then they had the five tenets that people had to swear to 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 be uh, brought into the church. Yeah. So th- th- that's why there's, you know, you said, oh, the church and all their science. It's because the science didn't win mm-hmm. in this battle. Yes. Well, they're getting into here the split between uh, fundamentalist and be modernist is what they they call mm-hmm. it, uh, which you could also think of as sort of mainline versus evangelical within the Presbyterian Church. Uh, and so you brought up the list, right? And this is the doctrinal it's, deliverance of nineteen. It's a hell of a list. Yes, I, I've just written. This doesn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room <laughs> in the margin. <laughs> and there are five of these five necessary and essential doctrines that must be held to, and they are first. The inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible, the virgin of wiggle room, no wiggle room, the virgin birth of Christ, Christ's death as atonement for sin, Christ's resurrection was bodily in nature; he truly came back to life, and the historicity of events in the Bible, no wiggle room, because we know yeah. that history definitely contradicts many events in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, the, and whole, I just, uh, the whole census thing, that was that yeah. did not happen. And I just wrote in my notes here, oh God, they forgot this book was about Trump. They're just writing about theology yeah, now. I, I have to read the rest weird. of this fucking book. Do you think, I feel like that I did, I, I get the feeling that they wrote like a chapter, like sometimes they, 
As in, okay, let me explain myself better. I feel like they took it in turns to, not took it in turns, but like they each wrote whole chapters, which mm-hmm. is why there's no like continuity here. They didn't collaborate on chapters. <laughs> they can't have done because this is, this, this is, is a definitely theology a Scott chapter Lamb and, chapter. A, yeah. and, a, and a history of the church chapter. So it's, yeah, it's clearly a Scott Lamb chapter, I would say. Um, and yeah, there's just no continuity. Mm-hmm. The next like three pages are completely irrelevant. Oh, they're all about so... they they start talking about the fundamentals, which is a book set that was sent out to uh, evangelicals, and it's it's where you get the term fundamentalist. It's literally where it comes from. Uh, and these are the yeah. people who think the Bible is literally true. These are where you get your creationists, the people who think th- that the Earth is only six thousand years old, etc. And I thought it'd be fun because the fundamentals uh, have some fun things because they write in this book quote about the fundamentals quote. Um, many of the authors were leading scholars of their time, and none of the explained doctrines were of the sectarian sort. Only the major doctrines of the Christian faith were defended. Now, you, you may note, they said, none of these were sectarian, and only the main doctrines were defended in the fundamentals. Well, uh, mm-hmm. the fundamentals book set includes chapters on modern philosophy, science and the Christian faith, uh, how right, Jehovah's right. Witnesses aren't really Christian, uh, okay, how okay. Catholics aren't really Christian, <laughs> not sectarian. Uh-huh. A oh, lot sectarian. of chapters about evolution. A lot of attacks on socialism. And my favorite, a chapter that is titled Tributes to Christ and the Bible by Brainy Men Not Known as Active Christians, which is fucking nonsense words. They grabbed <laughs> them out of a box and threw them onto a page. Yeah, I, that makes no that's sense. Dadaism, essentially. Like, <laughs> right. And and yeah, I wrote weird. in my notes also that these two writers, Scott Lamb and David Brody, they are so disingenuous whenever they're doing these theological discussions, right? When they're discussing Christian beliefs, because they are unable to step out of their own belief set and take an honest, unbiased look at what they're talking about. And they, they do things like say that there was nothing, you know, sectarian in the fundamentals, a book which called multiple groups of Christians non-Christians. Not right? real Christians, yeah. yeah. It's such fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. moving on through the next few pages, we get talk about uh, Rockefeller, Coffin, a guy whose last name was Fosdick, which yeah, is just fun really to say. Weird. <laughs> it's just funny. And I, I just want to make a quick note that on the uh, when he was talking about Rockefeller, he literally says nothing that's not said by Ron Chernow. It's like one <laughs> long Ron Chernow quote. Yeah. And I've just said, if in doubt, qu- quote a far superior writer at length. <laughs> like yeah. That's, yeah. That's the best way to deal with this shit. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, finally, we get through, after Fosdick has, has come come about, we get back to Fred and Marianne Trump mm-hmm. being married in January 1936 by Coffin's like-minded replacement, Reverend Buttrick, <laughs> who, you know, I think it's Buttrick, yes. probably. Yes, or but your Buttrick, way of saying which it is, is a, Which is a, <laughs> Buttrick is funnier, yeah. actually. Uh, but that no, no, like so I, I do want to point out before we get to that, there's this one quick thing where I told at the beginning how they try and do these like sideways glances at the Trump family. And they mentioned this Riverside Church, which opened in 1931. And they say yeah. the year after Donald Trump's mother passed through Ellis Island from Scotland, where there's no reason for that other than you're trying to tie yeah. <laughs> the Trumps to this in a way that is yeah. so completely wrong and disingenuous. But you're just trying to put yeah. that in your reader's mind and hope they don't notice this. But we also get discussion of the Auburn Confirmation, which was written by Coffin, who we've talked about already. And this was a doctrine, apparently, that was part of the big split between the fundamentalists and the evangelicals. And the Auburn mm-hmm. Affirmation apparently denied the inerrancy of Scripture— 
and the right of the General Assembly to govern the doctrine of presbyteries. Uh, which, look, I thought this was just weird because we keep... I was very confused at this point because I couldn't figure out at first which side David Brody and Scott Lamb were backing. It becomes very clear later that. that they're backing the conservatives and the evangelicals because oh, that's yeah, who yeah, they yeah, are. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. But because yeah, yeah, we get yeah. a lot of slights thrown at other groups, they are very commonly talking Listen, shit about other I was about very groups. tired when I was reading this. It was just like I like I don't. None of this means anything to me. <laughs> like, but then they throw in this great quote. They throw in this really great quote uh, where they, for some reason, bring up the birthday of NBC, the day NBC Radio went on air. Uh, and say, an irony not lost on anyone who recalls modern theologian Rudolf Bultmann's famous quote about Christianity. It is impossible to use electric light and the wireless and to avail ourselves of modern medical and surgical discoveries, and at the same time, to believe in the New Testament world of spirits and miracles. To do so is to make the Christian faith unintelligible and unacceptable to the modern world. It's such a close-but-no-cigar moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, can we move on to Fred and Marianne yes, Trump Yes, 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 Fred and Marianne Trump, right, married cool. in January so they get 1936. Married by someone who ranks in the top five of preachers of the 20th oh, century. Oh, okay, apparently. this part, yes. The, the ten greatest, yeah. So we have the top five who are James Stewart, Billy Graham, George Buttrick, Martin Luther King, and Harry Emerson Fosdick. Mm-hmm. So Martin Luther King ranking at number four there. That Yeah, I think uh, that Martin gives Luther you King, a... <laughs> I presume they mean Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, rather than Martin yes. Luther King. Well, no, but what um, they say about this is this is a list of the 10 greatest preachers of the 20th century by Preaching Magazine, which I did not know was a thing. I am going to <laughs> yeah. subscribe now. Uh, with the criteria <laughs> being the influence that the preacher had on church and on the wider society. How the fuck do you not put Martin Luther King Jr. at number one on a list where your criteria includes impact on the wider yeah. society? I mean, I, don't, I, I mean, forgive me for my ignorance, but I don't even know who James Stewart is. I don't either. I didn't recognize yeah. that one. I didn't know George Buttrick or Harry Fosdick either. Before, Oh, now I realize why they put his middle name in there. Now I realize yeah. it. Harry Fosdick. Harry Emerson Fosdick. Second way is the one they're going to go. But uh, I thought when I found out that um, uh, Preaching Magazine was a real thing, that I should try my hand at writing a few articles that they should, you know, they might want to run. So I, I came up with these. Um, How to Shake Loose the Last Nickel from a Parishioner's Pocket. Uh, fun little <laughs> rhyming scheme there. Fearmongering 101. It's an educational series. Uh, 12 ways to mispronounce Muslim. Uh, what to do when you're caught with a kid. Uh, that could go <laughs> multiple ways. And the 10 most expensive private jets on the market today. Because that one they just need. That one's just useful. Yeah, I mean, you know, why wouldn't you need that? Um, so, yeah, then we we move on to... Yeah, they he kind of again has a close but no cigar moment of like, oh, I guess Fred would get married in the rich church because he was a wealthy <laughs> New Yorker after all. Like, yes, you got you it. Get it. You, you got understand. it. Well done. Yeah. So and then, but no, no, they say they say bizarre. right before that that they can't prove that Fred and Marianne were ever members of that church or ever even went to that church. No, that's true. Well, they were married there, right? Yes, yes, but he says, quote, At this point in time, the paper trail cannot establish a precise date oh, yeah, for when yeah, Fred yeah, and Marianne came to be at MAPC, and yeah. it is possible that the couple were married by Buttrick without being members. Yeah, that's true, because he was rich. Yeah, cool. But then, we okay, and I think this is the last thing worth mentioning this chapter, 
really before because we don't want to spend oh, is too it the long dumb getting theory? bogged down in theology. It's just like a three page, like <laughs> always sunny in Philadelphia, red string. It is like, and then this Marianne was in Scotland at this time, and you know they went back and forth five times, but there were three of them. So when does the goat go to which bit? <laughs> and like, oh, it's the it's Highlander just, all over again. It's the yeah, Highlander it's so all weird. over again because it's so weird because they tried to trace Donald Trump's mother Mary McLeod. Uh, and when she came across and when she, when they got married and all this sort of stuff. And what they figured out is that they're not good enough at this job to actually do that. They couldn't figure yeah. it out. So well, they found out there was another Mary McLeod. Uh, and, and we were like, well, we're going to track this one. <laughs> yes. And they spend time tracking her who got married to a guy named Drysdale. And they write... Whew, there was no pre Fred first marriage. Yeah. Glad we got I that just cleared. Can't up. have divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because we God forbid anybody in this family had multiple marriages. Yeah, it's it's literally the red string, yeah. It's the red string from uh, from Always Sunny, definitely. And yes. it's, it's But no, th- this, is the, as this is the this is the dumbest. Tell, one sec. As as far as I can tell, it's literally they do this like four page diversion to be like, Well, the New Yorker got one fact wrong in their article. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes, but they do this in literally. a way. They they're talking about their theory, a theory, like you need a theory of how Mary McLeod, Donald Trump's mother, came to choose Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church for her wedding. Which uh, I just wrote in the margins in the largest size I could fit it. They chose the closest big pretty church for the wedding. It's yeah. not rocket science. Yeah. I looked up pictures of this place. It's fucking beautiful. It's beautiful on the inside. Churches tend to have nice ar- architecture. It's Great. it's well known that they do that. You choose a big yeah, pretty building. Yeah, that's something they're good at. <coughs> Jesus Christ. They're good at. But their theories, right, but- their <laughs> theories as to how this happened are fucking ridiculous and it pissed yeah. me off, okay? Yeah, because one were, theory they, they say is that Donald's mom knew and kept up with the other Mary McLeod, the one who they could trace, because who would imagine two people and they had some living kind in the of t- bizarre yeah, twin situation living in the time where before they cell personalities. <laughs> sometimes one of them went home to Fred Trump, sometimes the other one did, who knows? It was like the the illusionist. But it's so plausible, so movie? plausible. Two people living in a time before phones, uh, when there's no reason why they would have known each other, who grew up miles from each other and came to America over a year apart from another, that of course they would have kept up with each other. Of course, because they had the same name. Yeah, it obviously. just makes sense. Obviously. Jesus all right, let's fucking do the next Christ. Next chapter. Next, next chapter. So, all right, next chapter. Chapter number five. This is called City on a Jamaican Hill, which I just wrote, you fucking hacks. You fucking <laughs> hacks. But my- it is, yeah. It's not even, it's not even good. I've, I've taken inspiration from the, the thing. And I've gone with, if you have a baby in an oven, does it make it a biscuit? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My actual alternate chapter title was, if we wish hard enough, maybe we can make him a Christian. Because the very end of this chapter, that's basically what they say. It's so good. Yeah, Um, it's it's very weird. Um, Yeah, that that quote comes from my favorite bit of the line uh, of this chapter where it says, being born in a garage doesn't make you a car. Like, no, obviously it doesn't. Oh, (laughs) I know, I know. That's correct. Well done. You've got something right. So So, yeah, again, we start with the Archbishop of fucking Canterbury (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's Christian persecution narrative. Because they're talking about Presbyterians being persecuted well, also, in England. Well, yeah, and then we get into, like, oh, the um, the Americans, yeah, the America was born because uh, the they came over and they were being persecuted in England. That's not why. They came over because England was becoming too lib- liberal religiously yeah. and less yeah. religiously, like, 
Puritan. That's why the Puritans came over because they were like, we can't do our shit over there because they're like not okay with it anymore. That's why people came over here. It's not because they were being persecuted. So let's clear that up to start <laughs> with and then we can move on. Yes. Yeah, so they talk about, uh, of course, the famous John Winthrop who led ships over to the New World from uh, uh, the UK um, and his City Upon a Hill sermon, which is where you get... Uh, I think JFK. Shining Hill. Yeah, it's city. It's city upon a hill. But this is where JFK and Ronald Reagan got their. Just where Reagan got his shining city on a hill. He misquoted. Reagan misquoted the original um, speech. uh, That's why. That's why. That's why. Of course, the Alzheimer was taking effect. Um, Well, possibly. By the way, did you know Ronald Reagan had Alzheimer's while he was in office? No, I didn't. Oh God! (laughs) This chapter is literally like. The the amount of block quotes in this chapter says to me yeah. that there was a deadline <laughs> and they were not going to meet that deadline. So they were like, oh, yeah, put the whole three page Reagan quote. Yeah. In. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we so, get into this yeah. and so we get the JFK quote and the Reagan quote about the shiny city on a hill. Literally, the, it could have been a one liner of Ra- JFK once talked about a city on a hill. Reagan said shining yeah. city on a hill. That's, that could have been it, but instead we get three pages of, of that quotation. They could have just written um, Reagan Frida America Jesus, Jesus Freedom America, America Reagan, Reagan Jesus Freedom. That's true. They could have just yeah, written that. that. It would have been the same fucking thing. By the way, did you know that Ronald Reagan had Alzheimer's when he was in office? <laughs> All right, come on. Uh, so we had so th- the debate over whether America is a Christian nation. It's not. It's not. We'll forever reference Winthrop's thesis. Okay. I mean, again, it's not really a yeah. thesis. It's more like a fever dream when you've been at sea for too long. But in this chapter, in this chapter, we finally do get to a church that Donald Trump might have went into a couple times. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they don't provide any evidence uh, in this of that in this chapter. I, I like I like but. that they I like that he says uh, the Trump campaign and now the Trump administration have made religious liberty such a central yeah. issue. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that's not really no. true, but okay. No, but <laughs> the thing that enraged me the most in this entire chapter was this one sentence where they said, "But one thing that unites all evangelicals." is the desire to uh, defend and even expand religious liberty. And I just wrote yeah. in my notes, bullshit burger with fucking bullshit sauce and iceberg lettuce, which we all know is just water in solid form, which is fucking <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. I, I I wrote something more simple. I wrote this isn't Let me, true. No, no, no. <laughs> Show me these fucking people, these amb- evangelicals. Let me stand next to ev- these evangelicals when they see a fucking Muslim pray in an airport. Okay, yeah, and then exactly. tell me it's they the want to expand shit. religious freedom. It, yeah, it's it's the same shit that we were talking about earlier. It's Christian freedom, mm-hmm. not religious freedom. Yeah. Um. So this is the first Presbyterian Church of Queens that you're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Yep. Yep. Um, not Manhattan, so that was confusing. Yeah. But yeah, well, first, we talked about the Manhattan church last, which there was no reason for, as I said. Yeah, because yeah. That's where Fred and Mary got married, but that's the only connection they had. So, of course, we had to spend an entire chapter on that because they are very short on proof that any of that family had connection to church. They needed to put in yep. all they had. So the, this church had the first awakening and the second awakening, which were a lot of... Confer- I like also how they're like, oh, George Whitfield, the Billy Graham of his day. Just call him a fucking preacher. Like, it doesn't, like we get it. Like, there's not been many good ones apart from because Billy Graham. Because to these people, like, Billy Graham is fucking like, LeBron James. He's God, yeah, exactly. He's, he's King Graham. Yeah, that's basically um, how they see him. 
Um, yeah. So King William, maybe they they to make a major stretch in trying to tie Donald Trump to this church again, uh, because they say without a doubt to be a member of the First Presbyterian Church is to know the history of the congregation. After all, the history no. is well documented by the church and has often that's not been how told. That works. Yeah, that's that's not how it works. And they say that they published a, a book with, that was a history of their church and said, quote, if young Donald Trump picked this volume up off the shelf of his church library, then he would have opened the first chapter. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, A, who, who the fuck goes into a church library? B, Donald no. Trump doesn't go into fucking libraries. He doesn't read. C, Donald Trump doesn't sure. go into fucking churches. Yeah, that's all true, all accurate. Um, and then we, yeah, we get another weird flashback of like, oh, and some people fought in the Revolutionary War, so that's a. It's a flashback a within thing. a flashback. That's, they did a yeah, flashback within weird. a flashback. Did you get okay? And then did you get the C.S. Lewis stuff? Oh my god! Fuck C.S. Lewis! Fuck C.S. Lewis so hard! It was yes, so weird. it's fu- the like lion the is literally shifts? fucking Jesus. The lion is literally yeah, fucking it. Jesus. We Go fuck it. yourself. We get it, Casper. God yeah. damn! So. There's this weird C.S. Lewis quote where they write, they they throw this in for no reason. They're just talking about the the church it's and the town it's of Jamaica. Filler. It's literally it's filler. It's like, I've heard of C.S. Lewis. Yes. Look at me. I've heard yes. of C.S. Lewis. And they throw in this line where he says, quote, uh, C.S. Lewis, the British author of the Chronicles of Narnia series, wrote about men without chests, uh, which I believe is a weird deformity you get when from too much inbreeding. Uh, people who have developed no internal... <laughs> the Habsburg, the Habsburg yeah. chest. <laughs> <laughs> who have developed no internal middle element that connects their intellects with their appetites. Like, what what does that mean, even? I don't like, know. I'm not, I, I yeah, don't know, but I'm he says, sure. without this middle element, a chest, Lewis said that people either cannot or will not believe in the objective nature of the truth and reality. And I will say, C.S. Lewis and these authors all had no fucking clue about the objective truth and nature of reality. These people are all yeah. fucking right-wing evangelical hacks who don't have a fucking clue. But then, yeah. right after that almost, for seemingly no reason because it ties into the C.S. Lewis bit in no way whatsoever. Not at all, yeah. We get in, in no way. the close but no potato moment. Where uh, they say, quote, Being born in a garage does not make you a car. <laughs> and being raised in a church with a rich history of vibrant biblical Christianity and sacrificial love for America makes you neither a patriot nor a Christian. But correct. the fact Absolutely that correct. in centuries past, so many of these people worshipped God in the same congregation in which Donald Trump would spend what? his childhood and teen years <laughs> means that he grew up in proximity to these stories of men with chests. No, sorry, men with chests. Yes, it's italicized. it's italicized. With chests, motherfucker. With chests. It's very, and then it's like, oh well, they probably prayed for future generations, and Donald Trump probably got some of that. Yes! that old timey prayer energy. No, so they talk that's, about that's they where... talk about fucking James Dobson, who said his great grandfather prayed every morning from eleven to noon for his children, and that God had made his ancestor a promise. Every member of four generations of his family would become Christians. I want to go find that fucking family. I want to find the one fucking atheist they have who was fed up <laughs> with all the bullshit and prove that's all fucking a lie. I want yeah. to do that. It's so weird. It's so weird. It just—it's literally like the power—the power of the ancestors, like praying for your sins. It really Whatever. is because literally, literally, not a word was said about Trump in this mm-hmm. chapter. It, like this entire chapter. Well. They end the chapter with this, where they're they're trying to say because 
the, remember, the point of this book is to prove Trump is a Christian. And they say, mm-hmm. uh, tying in with that quote about James Dobson, uh, the re- that's the reason they put that in there. They say this. But if one grew up in a church with several hundred years of faithfulness to Christ, as did Donald Trump, then God only knows, literally, how many prayers were prayed to God on behalf of the future souls that would one day sit in the, in the pews of the First Presbyterian Church. So that is where they are trying to say, people at that church must have prayed that other people in the future would be Christian in that church, yeah. so Trump is a Christian. Yep. That's the fucking right. bullshit we get. So that is it uh, for this week's show. Like we said, we have one more chapter we're doing. That is going up for patrons only. All right, patrons, here we are with chapter six of the book, The Faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography. We decided that, uh, you know, a little bonus just for you. Um, You guys are going to get to hear exclusive chapters that everybody else won't get to hear. So uh, this chapter is it's a short one. It's actually a very short chapter. I think it's only Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, we'll do some other. No, it's ten pages, but we'll do some other talk for. So it's not just a ten minute show. We'll do it for. we'll, We'll do some more recording next time. So, chapter six, this is titled Hindenburg, uh, and my alternate chapter title is just Oh, the Humanity, because that's what I felt when I was reading mine, this chapter. Mine is, sometimes people move out of the neighborhood, and sometimes people move in. <laughs> <laughs> right, because they start this off saying, we don't know exactly when Fred and Marianne joined the First Presbyterian in Jamaica, not Jamaica, the country, Jamaica, Queens, mm-hmm. uh, but the church is located within a couple of miles of every home they ever lived in. So... Yeah, so people. What? Yeah, cool. <laughs> some people go to churches near their own, and again, they don't provide any evidence that they actually went to church. That these were people who got no. up on Sunday morning and walked over to church. They never have any evidence of that. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. It's yeah, it's it's very odd, and like, oh, there are logistical considerations. Like, yeah, oh, they maybe like the pastor at the time he'd led the church for a while. Like, cool whatever like it's it's just very yeah. it's very yeah. odd and yeah again we're just describing this fucking church again it's very yeah, they like, get into all... the the first Sorry, presbyterian no. church which they say leaned in favor of the modernists right the, yeah, ooh, the more the modernists. liberal side yeah uh, scary and they they even say right after that they shoot themselves in the foot and they say since this was the church that donald trump spent his entire childhood and teen years attending proved to me that he ever attended yeah. Since he continues to in- identify himself as Protestant Christian Presbyterian, though he has not been a member of a Presbyterian church since he left the first Presbyterian church, yeah, which is then it's important to tell ago. the story of this church. Yeah, no, we, I mean, we don't have to do that. So we go through, again, this fucking war between the, the modernists and the, mm-hmm. the uh, traditionalists, and John D. Rockefeller apparently uh, funded some uh, reports to try and fix the church, uh, and mm-hmm. they get—they seem very sarcastic and mad about this. Yes, they're, they're they do. Like, yes, no they do. No more evangelizing non-Christians to get them saved. Yes, no they more put them in scarecrows or wrath of God <laughs> stuff. So yeah, they—they—they they, they the modernists refused to counterbuck, and the conservatives formed an independent mission board. Apparently, that mm-hmm. to to fight these these 
heretical tyrannical ideas that maybe we shouldn't scare people with hell mm-hmm. um, which eventually apparently broke off to become the orthodox presbyterian church yeah, talking, this is all back in 1935 churches. they're talking about a split yeah. where this guy named buck was pushed out of the presbyterian conference of the united states or something like that they they passed the, buck. the orthodox presbyterian yeah yeah you might say and formed the orthodox presbyterian church so this all happened back in the 1930s uh, they talk about the Scopes Monkey Trial and how it was heavily debated, um, and then the battle between the modernists and the the conservatives within the church in 1935-1936. So that brings us to exactly fucking nowhere. There was yeah. no reason for any of that! Cool, cool. we've had three pages of, of nothing. Um, yeah, so the the Brooklyn Eagle does... I just literally... I haven't Look, really, like... I, I just this don't know chapter what to was say so disjointed and so so worthless. I, I yeah. honestly I sympathize with you that what the fuck was the point of this chapter? But there are things to point out still, such as when they say they provide counterfactual pieces of data, which yeah. is not a thing. If it's right. counterfactual, it's not data, a fact. That's... It's not data. Yes, yeah, not data. It's not a fact. <laughs> yeah. If it's if it's data, then it's factual data. But mm-hmm. they say they provide two pieces of counterfactual data, of among which is. Right, the church's published history, where they don't talk about a particular guy, and uh, a newspaper article saying that the church was liberal, and these are evidence why Donald Trump would have been pulled to this church I, because he he wanted a liberal church, I guess. Donald Trump, this li- paragon of liberal virtue, we all know. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it it's literally just a history of like, oh, this church was liberal for a while, and this church was was uh conservative and they had a bit of a fight about it it's very weird um Mm. but then they talk about the hindenburg and that it gets a bit more interesting from then on for no reason yeah not really no reason it was like oh well she may have seen it go over the hinden the hindenburg may have gone past them like after Mm -hmm. this banquet that some people were invited to like i don't really know why we're talking about the hindenburg Um, but the reason we're talking about the hindenburg is because these people hate the modern world because science has proven so much of their bullshit wrong and is leading people away from their church. That's why they hate the modern world. And to them, the sign of modernity that they used in this chapter is the fucking Hindenburg. That was their sign of modernity. Yeah. Also, only 13... I I think not that many people on the Hindenburg died, did they? Passenger-wise, at least. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I think think 30 died. I think only 30 people died or something. It was a giant fucking fireball. I know, I know. But I think, like, most of the people on board survived. Like, 30 was less than half of the people. And some, I don't know how, but I guess they did. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, but, but then so so we get the I get and then we like flash back to how many members a church had, which is very again very <laughs> odd. Um, and and then talking about CNN running a piece about the faith of Donald Trump, telling an anecdote from a pre-inauguration prayer meeting that Trump had with two Presbyterian pastors, where he proves that he has no fucking clue about anything to do with Christianity at all. Because uh, mm-hmm. he says, and this is quoting from the CNN piece, it says, "Oh, and, and let's clear- remember that the, the people, the people he's supposed to be talking to in this this bit are people from the church that he is supposed to have gone to." 
Yeah. These are, yeah, these are exactly, pastors yeah. from, from the FPC First Presbyterian Jamaica, Church. Yeah, yes. And the Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. So we have, it was clear that Trump was still preoccupied with his November victory and pleased with his performance with one constituency in particular. I did very well, very, very well with the evangelicals in the polls, Trump interjected in the middle of the conversation randomly. Previously unreported com- comments that were described to me by both pastors, they gently reminded Trump that neither of them was an evangelical well, what are you then? Trump asked. They explained <laughs> they were mainline Protestants, the same Christian tradition in which Trump, a self-described Presbyterian, was raised and claims membership. Like many mainline pastors, they told the president-elect they lead diverse congregations. Trump nodded along, then posed another question to the two men. But you're all Christians. Yes, we're all Christians. Which the two writers of this fucking book would disagree with in so many fucking circumstances. Yeah, because they talk about how they, like... All the other churches are super diverse, and then the evangelicals <laughs> love the white people. That's like that, yes. that's one of the yes. things that they talk about. So yeah, but they, they try to apologize for Trump not knowing anything in that CNN by interview saying, "Well, say, no, to be honest, nobody knows any of this shit." So yeah, yeah, they say there's no denying that Trump got muddled by the mainliners denominating of their denomination. But it seems a bit pedantic to criticize a layman for not knowing the difference between one Presbyterian group and another, I which they follow with. Christian, yeah. Which they follow with immediately. The immediate next sentence is the first church of the flying spaghetti monster. In parentheses, that's a real <laughs> denomination. Look it up. Can claim creativity in brand naming. Okay, Again, what do do they think that the FSM is a Christian? Thing? Probably, Do they not realize it's not. that it's a satire of religion? Yeah, it's, it's Do they not, not know that? It's not that. I don't think they get it. Um, yeah, so then they go on to say, like, liberal Presbyterian churches aren't evangelical anymore because they actually have diverse congregations, as we said. Um, and then, they, yeah, so this is the weirdest bit. They're like, so what is FPC Jamaica like today? It's almost <laughs> entirely a congregation of color reflecting the demographics of the neighborhood and the ability to match uh-huh. up with those demographics. Uh-huh. And then they're like, so Donald uh-huh. Trump must love the people of color because uh-huh. they now go to the church that he once went to. So mm-hmm. that makes and I sense. Know, I know that somewhere in these guys' notes for this book, they put, well, it smells different now. That's one thing. <laughs> oh, it's so good! It's, it's so good. Yeah, Look, so white he, yeah, evangelical get... Christians should never bring up race. Just don't bring no, up race. Avoid it, do dude. It. You don't want to yeah. talk about it in your book because you have a fucking problem. Yeah. So, it, yeah, the fact-based reality about denominations paints a different picture about whether Trump and the G- GOP don't like such people. Like, okay, all right. <laughs> the racial I'm quoting the racial diversity and growth of FPC Jamaica making it an anomaly within its own denomination the largest and most liberal Presbyterian denomination in America it's just like it's so weird yeah. well and again remember that what they're talking about there in this last few pages of this chapter they're talking about the FPC roughly 30 or 40 years after Donald Trump yeah ever stopped going was even yeah. stopped going if he ever went in the first place right and they their whole point of this is to try and you know, prove Donald Trump's Christianity. And they write this paragraph, quote, Though FPC is a member congregation of the liberal PCUSA, you just talked about this, their website talks about their ministries being purpose-driven. The language of evangelical megachurch pastor Rick Warren. In 2015, the church went through a spiritual journey called 40 Days of Purpose. Again, that is Warren material, literally a best-selling book, written by the best-known baby boomer evangelical on the planet. So they're trying to shoehorn Donald Trump into being an evangelical by proving that the church he maybe went to as a child 
is now evangelical yeah. 30 or 40 years after he left. Yeah. And then the, the funniest thing that I just want to end on um, before I'm sure you'll close it out with the last paragraph, as you always do. But you see evangelical rock, rock stars promoting the site, including Tim Tebow, which is God, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck Tim you, Tebow. Tebow. You piece of fucking shit. You can't throw. You can't no. fucking throw. You're a All worthless right. quarterback. <laughs> Fuck you, Tebow. He is. That's why no one employs him. God. He's a white rushing quarterback. That doesn't work. I'm yeah, sorry. You can't do I'm that. sorry. It doesn't fucking work. We're not fast enough for that, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he's not big enough to bust through the line. That's true. God All right. damn. Take us so, out. Take uh, us to out. End off, to end off this chapter, they write, quote, So to return to the Huffington Post's point, Donald Trump apparently doesn't know which Christians are evangelicals. We would wager that, like Trump, most Americans don't know which Christians are evangelicals. And I, I wrote in my notes, uh, they're the asshole ones, right? <laughs> um, that is certainly one takeaway from the 2016 election, that most people don't know who evangelicals are. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, 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 uh, fine. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the election, but fine. And like Trump, most Americans could more easily distinguish between varieties of apples in the produce aisle then they could distinguish between varieties of Presbyterianism in their neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. it. Honestly, I I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't know what to say because there was nothing in this chapter. There was fucking nothing. And right. I am, honestly, I can't, the last three chapters, the ones we did on the regular show and this one, there's fucking nothing here. The next chapter, they're going to talk about Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's confirmation, right? That's the, the topic of the next chapter. But up to this point, the first six chapters of this book, we have gotten almost no proof whatsoever that Donald Trump has no. ever even been inside a church. No. And other than pictures of him at his weddings. Weddings, no. plural. Weddings. Yeah. Gotta remind these two about yeah. that because they hate Many, many uh, weddings. And in the final segment this week, we are back into our new book, which we're just cracking open, right? We're about maybe uh, an eighth through the book so far, so we're still in the beginning of it. Uh, fifth. Yeah. We're but, fifth through it. But it is just as dumb as the first six chapters we've done. And to remind you, mm -hmm. uh, if you listened to last week and you want to hear chapter six, the only way to hear chapter six is to go listen to it over at patreon.com forward slash Kevin and Benedict. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month. You get all of our patron-only bonus episodes and the exclusive chapters we only give to our patrons. So, but why don't we start with this one, chapter 7, which is called yep. We Have Confirmation. Meaningless. Meaningless. Literally, again, meaningless. No, be well, because the only thing they're going to establish in this chapter is that Donald Trump was confirmed. Yeah. Which, which I will say, was. I was as well. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think I was, actually. I was baptized, but not confirmed. Okay, okay. Uh, so this is called We Have Confirmation. But and also into the Church of England, who's like, hell doesn't even exist, mm -hmm. so who really gives a shit? Honestly. My alternate chapter title for this one was Bible Battle Royale. Mine was A Brief History of Bible Translation. So we kind of got... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's basically, so, we get more so of that things. than anything about Trump, as usual. Yeah, as usual. So we start mm -hmm. off with talk about... Uh, 
Donald Trump and FPC, the First Presbyterian Church, you may remember, which we've talked about before, uh, yeah. the Reverend McGill, who was uh, yeah, who the okay, there. the the newspaper said, "quote represented all yes. the Protestant denominations," which isn't a thing. No, that's like no. that that you can't do that. You know that's who would disagree with that? that all everyone, the Protestant every Protestant, denominations. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so in this chapter, they write early on that what they're going to establish in this chapter, this is basically it. Donald Trump, they say, has a lot of memories being active in his community and church, and they have two of those memories. Two of those memories, yeah. they say, involve his religious experiences. They could only well, find okay. two. So well, <laughs> one thing I noticed from from both of these chapters, actually, was or, or all three of these chapters, I guess, were them spending like i don't know like three quarters four tenths of the chapter being like hey so there's this really important thing <laughs> and then like four fifths of the way into the chapter they'll be like but did this really matter to donald trump probably not no 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 backing up on their own <laughs> their own argument exactly uh so the first of these two things that they're going to talk about is donald trump being given a bible by Marianne when he was eight years old. Marianne, yeah, his mother. Yeah, very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Well, first of all, I just want to say there's some weird sentences in here again. Why <sighs> Why? Like, why like they're included. So it's like, in the modern world where families often have to pick up and move from one place to another. Like, what? <laughs> Is that a modern world thing? Are, are like, they unaware they that America most... America <laughs> became a country. Are they unaware like, that most families don't move out of the city that they, yeah. they were established in? And and, and how do they think the West the West was settled? I and, don't know. You know did, like, did people not used to move? Anyway, whatever. But they talk. So, yeah. Go ahead. Trump gets this Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. To be honest, I don't think I would have been trusted to look after a fancy Bible at eight. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah, but no. Cool, no. No. Thanks. This. This. This thing. This stuck with me because they said, "Quote: Giving a child a Bible at this age is at this age is not a sacramental act, but more a matter of practicality." Younger children haven't developed the responsibility to care for a nice Bible or even the reading comprehension to make it worth the expense. Okay, uh, Benedict, uh, you have an established bookshelf in your home. I have quite a few books myself. Uh, what does it take to take care of a book? You put it on the shelf. Yeah, that's it. And you put it on the it shelf. <laughs> and never read it. I actually have a Bible that I haven't opened. In, in, like in which case, a child so. younger than eight who probably couldn't read would be better at taking care of a Bible because they'd <laughs> yeah. never try and crack it open. That's true. That's true. Okay, so <laughs> the funniest thing about this, so they're, they're talking about... Uh, the nice place in Trump Tower? The interview. So yeah, yeah. D- I'm going to read it. One sec. During our first interview, he told me how he keeps them in a very nice place inside Trump Tower, which is I can, I can only assume yeah. is the gold toilet. Well, these are, these are he says he's received hundreds of Bibles from well-wishers, and apparently he yeah. keeps all of them in a very nice place in Trump Tower. So then he goes on to say, and I quote, there's no way I would ever do anything negative to a Bible, which is like a very specific <laughs> denial. Like, what did, what did you do to the Bible? Oh, like, I guarantee you've done something. I guarantee you Donald Trump has thrown Bibles in the trash. I guarantee you that. Oh, I'm sure he's like jizzed on a Bible at some point. <laughs> he's been spanked by one, <laughs> one yeah, of his like, hookers. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So... Obviously, we've we've had uh, one paragraph now talking about Donald Trump receiving a Bible. Now we need to spend three pages talking about which version of which the Bible, Bible he got. Which Bible translation is the best? Yeah. Yes, yes. So apparently, the one Trump got was the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, published in 1952. And the authors of this book, Scott Lamb and David Brody, are going to trash that Bible now. Mm-hmm. Or is it Scott Brody yeah, and which David is Lamb? The one, the one Trump no. got. 
Yes. Uh, I've, I've forgotten what the author's name I always do this in my head. I say David Lamb and Scott Brody, but it's David Brody and Scott it's Lamb. Not, so not. whenever you hear me say yeah, that, just, just correct me if I get it just wrong. Just ignore me. Switch it up. Yeah, okay. uh, so they talk about the King James Version versus the RSV Version and uh, complain. King James Version is actually a much nicer version, to be oh, fair, yeah, to be yeah. honest. The language is more, the, the, the language lit- is prettier. The literature is prettier. Yeah. And, the, and to be honest, the King James Version is what a lot of modern English comes from. Because it was mm-hmm. probably the most widely distributed book in a time when there wasn't a lot of books around. So a lot of our modern vernacular is descended from the re- language of the original King James Version of the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. Which is p- possibly why it's so pleasing when we read it, when it, it you know, has very nice flowery language and such. But they say that no evangelical pastor in 1955 would have preached from the RSV, the Bible that Donald Trump got. And that evangelicals didn't even produce their own easy-to-read version of the Bible until 1971 when they produced the NIV Bible, which you're probably familiar with, most people are, the New International Version of the Bible. Yeah, that's the famous one, right? Yes. Uh, So... For, I don't know how they made this jump, but then all of a sudden they jump from talking about the Bible to the 1950s and court cases having to do with prayer in schools uh, yeah. and complain that the Engel v. Vital decision is when, and they, they say this, quote, the ruling is considered by evangelicals to be a day that went down in infamy when prayer and Bible reading were taken out of schools and naked secularism began its reign yeah. as the state religion of America. <laughs> That's funny. Also, just one thing I had to check about the King James Bible. King James had a lover, and he was a male lover. Mm, um, which I didn't, didn't know this. Please the church. So to annoy, to get the church off his back, apparently, rumor has it he he ordered the Bible to be uh, to be translated from Hebrew into English. Oh. Uh, so the 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 King James version is 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 the the work of a horny king who just wanted to sleep <laughs> with his boyfriend in peace, which is pretty funny. Look, I can forgive him for that. I can forgive him yeah. for that. Uh, but yeah. we also get and and also, I don't know if, the New International Version is the worst version of the Bible. It's, yeah, it's like, pretty it's, crappy. It's bad. It's pretty crappy. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, in, in our patron only bonus episode, I believe two weeks ago. Uh, we started our new book review over there that's only for patrons of David Limbaugh's book, Persecution. And I read this line, and it struck out because it's eerily similar to something we talked about in that book, a direct quote we Mm -hmm. talked about in that book, which is, the First Amendment to the Constitution has two clauses dealing with religion. Most of the discussion in these recent years has centered about the first of these clauses. And I went back and found the passage in the Limbaugh book, and it is two or three words off. From that exact sentence right there. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wondered where I'd read that before, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely, definitely right. Just one thing quickly I want to say. So he's talking about uh, Justice Potter Stewart in the, in the Reagan, in the case during the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. the Abington versus Shemp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Potter Stewart was the lone dissenting voice in this case. Um, and it was the prayer in schools legislation as we were talking about. Uh, so he says that the part of his dissenting opinion is if religious exercises are held to be an impermissible activity in schools, religion is placed at an artificial and state created disadvantage. And this is to prove that naked secularism is the new state religion. So religion is placed at an artificial and state created disadvantage. That really reminded me of a quote that 
is often said by like black lives matter activists and stuff which is that when you're used to domination equality feels like oppression Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's the case here with this religion you think it's a disadvantage because you have a level playing field with everyone else Mm -hmm. no absolutely as as opposed to being state-sponsored um so yeah i mean that that's you know it's not really anything to do with black lives matter (laughs) i just thought it was a it was an appropriate summation of the 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 facts i guess yeah no that's something we've talked a lot about religion had been at an advantage because everyone was religious so it was cool if everyone was religious but yeah when you get pegged back to just equality it feels like you're being oppressed yep Absolutely, absolutely. So we get to the second religious experience from Trump's childhood that they're going to talk about now, which is his confirmation. Uh, and this part, which <laughs> if you don't know what confirmation so, is, I, I just for, for listeners who don't know, who didn't grow up religious or anything like that, my experience is in the Catholic Church where I had first communion. I had baptism, obviously. I was too young to, to know about that. And then first communion, some point in grade school, I think around fourth or fifth grade, something like that. And then confirmation you did in seventh or eighth grade, which I guess is where you say, yeah, I'm still in. I, I'm not I'm not leaving yet. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so they talk still about here. they talk about Trump's confirmation. And for this, and they more more funnily, the picture of his confirmation <laughs> where it shows him on the back of three rows. The first two lined up with 12 young girls in white dresses and flowers in the back row with seven young men in mostly dark suits. Trump being the tallest. And then I've written the most manly, the best. <laughs> I just wrote the Highlander. Uh, yeah, I also wrote you can't see Trump's hands because they're behind him. Um <laughs> Some people got that joke. Some people will take a second, and you got it now. You got it now. Uh, so they get into what Donald Trump would have had to say in this confirmation ceremony. Which, look, I had to memorize a couple sentences for the confirmation ceremony. Every Do you kid have does a certificate it. of church membership. I don't think creepy. so. I don't think the Catholic okay. Church did that. But my point Maybe being that. Uh, being told to memorize a few words, a few lines, has nothing to do with whether you're religious or not, which we will remember is the point of this entire book. Uh, But Mm -hmm. they talk about the booklet that they would have had to use called This Is My Church. And they say, compared to the Westminster documents, this booklet has the theological weight of a preschooler's picture book, (laughs) which I would say is exactly the weight that the Westminster documents have as well. Um... And that Donald Trump, of course, had to sign a certificate of church membership that you talked about, which is weird, right? Uh, And they would have to, during the service, establish and pronounce that the individuals were ready, and this is a quote, for admission to the Lord's Supper, which sounds like a meal Hannibal Lecter would hold if he was uh, a knight back in medieval times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just very, very weird. And then I just wrote, because... That's that's all we get. They they copy and paste the words from that booklet, and I just wrote, "Holy shit!" That was the whole chapter. That's that's all you had for us. Yeah, he was I mean, confirmed, yeah, like, and these are the like books being, they would have used. Being on deadline and and forgetting to finish the chapter. <laughs> exactly. Same, exactly. Same, same as. Um, okay. Next chapter. Next chapter. Chapter eight. This is titled "The Church for Spock Babies." I don't know if I can write a better title than this because it's already so fucking stupid. It is. It is. The it's it's like oh, there's a guy called Spock. Let's name it after <laughs> Spock, and just 
Yeah. Yeah. No, no, uh, I did, though. I have an alternate title. Uh, it was Killing the Poet Society, because they had to get dead somehow, right? Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. True. We'll I, get to I, that. I, I mean, I, I wrote trying to make the meaningless meaningful, but mm-hmm. that's, I mean... So they yeah. focus a bit... It's not my best. Yeah, they focus on a, a bit on the concept, that the, the fact, rather, that nobody from the 1930s, born in the 1930s, and only one person born in the 1950s ever became president of the United States. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of just because Obama was really young, mm-hmm. though. It's sort like, of a chance seem, thing. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really seem that weird to me, mm-hmm. really. Like, Clinton was young when he was president, so he was in the 40s. H.W. Bush was kind of old. Mm-hmm. Well, they run, Bush. they run through this list of things about, they're wondering why so many, three people from the summer of 1946 ended up being president of the United States. And yeah, they and have they go, the most what, ridiculous <laughs> reasons why. Yeah, was it the Russian launch of Sputnik and <laughs> sending the US into buckle down against communism mode? No, it wasn't. Was, was it, it because the Beatles enough? came? No. Was it about Elvis Presley? No, again, no. Why are you <laughs> writing these words? They're extremely stupid. Stop. Yes, yes. Uh, so they, they write up all these various things. Watergate, the Beatles coming, uh, Elvis Presley, JFK being shot, all these things, which have nothing to do with why three people became president of the United States uh, who were born in the same year. But the reason we get this Can chapter I- title... Yeah, can I just say first, before we move on to Mr. Spock or Dr. Spock, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of lines here about baby boomers. And it says, baby boomers, like the rest of us, were molded by the history they lived through. A, no shit. B, yes, they had money and can ruin it for the rest of us. That's one thing. And then it says, at the peak of baby production, a boomer infant came into the world every eight seconds. Baby production is some Handmaid's Tale shit. I'm sorry. That's, that, that is extremely weird. Well, we know how anyway, these people on. think. We know Dr. how they Spock. think. Yeah, so the reason we get this chapter title is because they uh, do not like an individual named Dr. Benjamin Spock, who was an American pediatrician yeah. who wrote a book called The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care. It sold mm-hmm. uh, about 50 million copies, at, which is quite a bit, quite a bit for a book. That's uh, you know on the all-time bestsellers list. And mm-hmm. what Benjamin Spock taught basically was, the, you know, something we make fun of a little bit because some people take it too far of being nice to your kids, of not spanking yeah, them. Yeah, being, it's being friends with your kids like, exactly. as much as a parent, which whatever, you know, but different people have different styles. But we spend like three pages on this and then they get to, <laughs> was Donald Trump a spot baby? In a word, no. Mm-hmm. So what? Like we've literally just spent this whole, we've titled the chapter after this dude and then been like, you know what? Nah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, no, Never mind. With Forget about so it. much that's in this book, there was no reason for any of it. There was no reason for any of it. So they talk about yeah. Spock babies. They talk about raising children with compassion and loving and care mm-hmm. and all that. And then they talk about how instead of being a Spock baby, Donald Trump has a 1950s sensibility. Pre-civil rights. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> because when they talk about making America great again, they're talking yeah, about before you know we had mean. civil rights. Yes. Uh, so he talks so about... So we have a lovely quote from Michelle Bachman. Oh, good uh, God. John, John Wayne sensibilities, John Wayne America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. Go for it. With my commentary. 
So she says, today a lot of kids are taught, unfortunately, that the United States is an evil country and that somehow we've hurt the rest of the world. I don't think anyone's taught that the US is an evil country, but they no. have hurt the rest of the world. And yes, should be yes. That. <laughs> uh, that's one of the biggest lies. No, it's not. We have been a force for good. Eh, no country's perfect, but we've been a force for good throughout time. I mean, sometimes, yeah, yeah often, no. Yeah, World War Two, World War One. Yeah, we did good God's stuff. God's blessed yeah. us, unlike any other nation other than the Jewish state of Israel. Uh, which, Michelle wow. Bachman had to throw that in there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but Trump gets it. The Judeo-Christian underpinnings of this country. I don't think they'd say Judeo-Christian now. I think they'd probably just say Christian um, <laughs> for reasons best yep. known mm-hmm. to themselves. I think really came to the fore in the 1950s and was seen in the 1950s, which again, she shows really no evidence for at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So then, you know, he, the author, whoever's writing this bit of the chapter, I presume it's Brody talks about Trump believing in strength and strong, strong America. And he can speak with machismo, but never a femicide. Oh oh, no, no, this is great. This is great. This is the list of characteristics that they give to the masculine man of John Wayne's America. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to read them because I love these characteristics, all right? The John Wayne America ideal man sits tall in the saddle, doesn't whine or complain, fights and dies for things that matter, exhibits courage in the face of danger, works hard in uh, unwritten parentheses on the golf course, maybe even an unbalanced amount, provides for his family, builds things, that other in, yeah, others yeah, inhabit. They put that, that in there for a reason. Yeah, Leaves yeah, the yeah. world a better place and, like you said, may speak with machismo but never effeminacy and communicates hope even when it defies logic. Defying logic is something so, Donald I mean, Trump the, does a lot. I'll give him that bit one. Is like, the last bit is like, is a dumb fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so it's, it's the rest of this chapter, really, is just more Donald Trump's a manly man, uh, he wore a suit all the time, even when it was stupid to wear a suit because he was in the blistering sun, uh, although he probably doesn't own any clothes other than suits. Uh, liked Eisenhower and Patton and MacArthur. Uh, I, I will mention Douglas MacArthur wanted to nuke the entire Korean peninsula. That was a whole yeah, thing. Also, yeah, got fired by Truman mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, but we end this chapter with the story of Donald Trump being sent to also, the New York I, military. Sec, I, was, I, I, I liked the... Fault these men for being workaholics if you want, but they accomplished a lot on the strength of their strong work ethic, which was mm-hmm. strong. I only <laughs> I only added one extra strong in there. Yeah. Uh, did you forget the Protestant part? The strong Protestant work ethic? No, uh, no, it just says strong work yeah. ethic. But we end this chapter uh, with the story. Oh, so, so, hold on. Second, Trump believes in a black and white world of right and wrong, good and evil. He does believe in a black and dumb. white world, although not it's together. Very dumb. You also you always know who the good guy is and bad guy. You you always knew who the good guys and bad mm-hmm. guys were in the movies. You know the movies, which famously are not real life. Right, where there's good people on both sides. Right, we all know yeah. that. Well, famously. <laughs> <laughs> but well, like I said, like I've been trying to say, uh, we end this chapter Sorry, with the story of Donald Trump I going. I remember more dumb stuff. Going to the New York Military Academy, and this is where I get my alternate chapter title. Because these authors compare Donald Trump being at the New York Military Academy, well, they try to, to the Dead Poet Society. Although they say, uh, after talking about the Dead Poet Society, uh, that ironically, Trump's story was the opposite. Uh, He was apparently a shitbag before he went to the New York Military Academy, buying switchblades and fireworks. Uh, And Mm -hmm. afterwards, he always made his bed nice and spiffy and, and wore ties, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, you know, and and they say, oh, Fred Trump didn't have time to look after his son, which isn't very family oriented. That's, no, that's not very. I Christian wouldn't say so. Uh, um, I like. I also like the quote of he was a conniver even then, which you know isn't a great look. <laughs> Still is today. Still is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that is it for chapter eight. I just, as usual, when we end, I will read the last sentence or two of the chapter, and this one ends. Though well, Donald- hold on. What? What? One second. Okay. Uh, he. I just want to talk about the, the poet society. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. So the main he talks about uh, an example of a movie un- unwittingly imitating life. Dead Poet Society sets its story in 1959, the exact year Fredship Donald off to NYMA. The main plotline of this movie was how a young man committed suicide after ignoring the command of his stern father, i.e. the 1950s, <laughs> and listening to the call of the free-spirited teacher, i.e. the 1960s, played by Robin Williams. So uh, Robin Williams is the personification of the 1960s, I, I guess. guess. So the, I guess. the implication he did a lot of coke. is that they the didn't 60s, have cocaine the, in the 1960s. The 60s murdered people. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you. Uh, that, that's my. That actually, that's my alternate mm-hmm. chapter title. The sixties murdered people. <laughs> <laughs> so we end this chapter with. Though Donald's instructor came packaged in army boots and was quite unlike Robin Williams' character, Trump left NYMA with a firm carpe diem resolve for accomplishing his life goal of succeeding in his father's business. And nothing about religion. We got nothing about religion no, there. No, literally nothing. Again. Nothing. Well, to be fair, we often complain when it's all religion and nothing about Trump. So at least this yeah. one was the other way around, kind of. That is true. That is true. Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.